I heart penis in my booty hole. 69. <laughs> Tom, I can't <laughs> I can barely remember my own password. Shut up. I can barely remember my own password. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros. Podcast. Fuck you, you Every time I Welcome do back it, to the Dime Comic Bros. Podcast. No. Yeah. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros. Podcast. I'm your co-host, Colin Eaton, and I have returned to the podcast where I rightfully own it. But with my small show. <laughs> you still co-host, though. Yeah, but I am executive producer. Oh, what? crap. Well, Spencer, shut the fuck up. Just wait until next week when he leaves again. Well, I've returned. about owning. We owe money. Oh, yes. Because we need stickers. We does need oh, stickers. I'm Venmoing you. Venmo me money, Come daddy. Much. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Welcome Podcast. Welcome back to the Dime Comic <laughs> Podcast. I will get it. Welcome I, back to... I will... Do it in the middle of my review. <laughs> Fuck you, you fuck ass. <laughs> and then just clip that out. Are you editing this one? Well, he edits all of them. Yeah, I edit everyone. I thought you edit some too. No, no I edit Happy it. Hour. I edit Happy Hour because that's where we say more slurs and drop more personal details, which I'm better at discerning what to keep. Which apparently. I'm better at discerning because I'm better at all of this. That was his decision, not mine. He offered. Yeah, and then you're like, that's a good idea. I think. <laughs> that's a good idea. I'm I... also Spencer. I exist when these two idiots oh, don't scream over me. Welcome back to the Dime Conference podcast. <laughs> it's just a never-ending episode. <laughs> we should do a fake... This should be our April Fool's episode. April Fool's episode. It's an hour and 15 minutes of us just doing that. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, going and oh, going and going. That. And then at the end, we do the credits. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, I agree. I think we should do that. No Welcome, back to, Welcome <laughs> back to the Welcome back to not this episode! I buy a comic that might cost more than a dime. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Uh, it is a news uh, episode. We have a lot of comics. Uh, I'm Jacob, by the way. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have a name, I guess. No one cares. No one asks. Go home. Okay. Uh, Sorry about it. From comicbook.com, the Justice Society of America headlines its first monthly ongoing series in years this November. Wow. Courtesy of writer Jeff Johns and artist Michael Janin. Uh, Justice Society of America number one features a bevy of long-standing JSA heroes, including the original Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman, as they team up to defeat an unusual enemy who has disrupted temporal history. The Time Masters, DC's defenders of the time stream led by Rip Hunter, are also teased to make an appearance. A preview of the cover of Justice League of Sus- yeah. Justice Society of America number one also shows Huntress, presumably the Helena Wayne version originally from Earth 2, standing in front of her forebears. There will be a lot of familiar faces rejoining the team, like Jay Garrick and Alan Scott, as well as long-standing members returning, like Beth Chapel and Yolanda Montez, and a new Golden Age legacy hero first hinted at in the end of Flashpoint Beyond, John said. Michael Jannon is doing the work of his career on this. Um, I really like the JSA, but also I don't really like Jeff Johns, so I'll check it when it's done. I'm not being an ass. I think the artist, honestly, is Mikkel Hanin. The I in Hanin has the little squiggly instead of the dot. Oh, you're right. The dot, so. um, I don't understand when it says that Huntress is going to be standing in front of her four bears, Four is spelled wrong. It's F O R E. Like, and also, I didn't know she had four bears. Inside you. you, there are four bears. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Honestly, uh, that word doesn't make sense to me. I love that word. What does it mean? Four bears, uh, predecessors. Ah. Uh, 
The people you stand upon the shoulders of. Okay. To the old fucks. To the old fucks, to the wall, to the smack down my ball. <laughs> he takes a week off and just doubles the autism. Maybe we just... Well, I listened to this, like, last... I listened to this he podcast listened, last week. He actually listened to an episode. Time Bros podcast, and I listened to these two idiots ramble about how Colin wasn't there and how much they missed him, and so they tried impersonating him by being stupid and dumb. We were, like, really chill last week, but sure. There was the one time really. that I said my co-host Colin would call him a little cookie boy. I know! And everybody was like, you're so right! Yeah. I was like, wow, he knows me so well. I would have called him a cookie boy because he is a cookie boy. I was proud of that one. I'm very proud of you for that. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> I don't think I've had enough coffee for this. Oh, I don't think I've had enough coffee for this. <laughs> From DCComics.com. <laughs> the conflict between Batman and the Joker has been one of the most storied in all of literature. Always adversaries. They've rarely had to work together, but this November, iconic storyteller Mark Sylvester still... <sighs> Fuck my asshole. But this November, iconic storyteller Mark Sylvester tells the ultimate tale of a fragile alliance between the Dark Knight and the Crown Prince of Crime and Batman slash the Joker, colon, the deadly duo, a seven-issue DC Black Label limited series arriving in comic book stores and particularly digital platforms on Tuesday, November 1st. Hold on. Mark Sylvester. Mark Silverstone. This meticulously crafted take on Batman's deadliest team introduces readers to a horrifying and suspense-filled version of Gotham City, one that only Silvestri can deliver. Quote, Batman and the Joker are two of the world's most iconic characters and have been at each other's throats for more than 80 years, end quote, says Silvestri. Quote, I always thought it would be pretty entertaining to have them on the same side, so I wrote a story about it. Needless to say, stuff happens. End quote. Whoa! The joke happens! The Joker will go to any lengths to get Harley Quinn back after a strange and mysterious culprit abducts a bit up 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 adopts her. Culprit abducts her, but who would be brazen enough to the Joker's wrath by committing such an unthinkable act. To compound the terror, mysterious Joker-like creatures are talking the sh- are stalking the streets of Gotham, collecting severed heads, and no one knows why. Furthermore, Jim Gordon is missing, and after receiving a package containing a bloody piece of Gotham's police commissioner, Batman realizes he must be willing to do anything to save him. But how? What's in the box? What's in the box? It's balls it's, and dick. It's his cock. It's his cock. <laughs> he put it in the bottom of the pizza box. It's his cock. So when you boy. open it up, it's a, it's an extra sausage pizza. Batman you know? just opens it up and he's like, nice cock. <laughs> <laughs> nice cock. When the Joker proposes an uneasy alliance with Batman, the answers to those questions begin to become clear and they will shake Gotham City and the Bat family to their cores. Issue number one on, t- on sale Tuesday, November 1st. This has been done before in oh, one of the greatest animated shows of all time. Oh, really? Batman Vs. the Bolt. Oh. He's, he's, not, he's not wrong. Batman and Joker had an uneasy alliance Ooh. together to try to stop the very bad Owlman. 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 As opposed mm-hmm. to the Frog Man. Because Owlman stole Batman's identity by wearing the purple gloves. And we all know 
You can't be Batman without the no. purple gloves. No. And he stole the purple glove can't suit. Can't have it. And all the superheroes are like, Batman's being bad. He's spanking all the children. And Batman comes back. He's like, no, I'm not. And they're trying to get him. And then he doesn't get got because he has a sewer system all over fucking Gotham that he built somehow. It's everywhere. It's not regular sewer system. It's Bruce Wayne built. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. But he uses it to escape them because I think he's spanking little boys. He can't have his his billionaire poop mixing in with the peasants. This is true. I I, I love that show because it's so they they ham it up so much. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, that show. Because he has like. <laughs> he has trenches everywhere, escape points, Batmobiles all over the place, bat, uh, bat cycles, and everything transforms into a Gundam. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. The interesting thing is this is a black label series that is seven issues long. Most you mean murder. Most of them have been like three yeah, or four. Yeah, three oversized usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. The art, the covers they released for the first two issues look freaking phenomenal. They um, look fantastic, my, like my friend Spencer would say. Fantastic, fantastic, very fantastic. Um, yeah, also you know more Batman Black Label Uwu. Eh, it's it's more, but like this, um, yeah, it sounds interesting enough. Harley looks hot. Of course she. Does. It's Harley. That Joker Quinn. Looks when weird. has Harley Quinn not been attractive? To be fair, ah, sometimes she's very much not attractive. For the most part, um, like uh, I don't know. I'm Harley always, Quinn show. Sir, I don't find her attractive in that. I think Ivy. I think it's because you're not a lesbian. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably she is definitely for the lesbians. She's yes. strong for the lesbians. Um, I don't know. This seems like it could be interesting. I like spooky shit, and I like spooky shit in Gotham. Ooh, what if nice Batman story. does murder? Ooh. I, I was quite iffy on this until I saw the artwork. I was like, ooh. Yeah. But that's just the cover. Ooh. Well, yes, but they're comics. We judge them by their covers. Yes. That's like the point. Yes. You can't, though. I mean, Jacob already showed that last week when he bought a shitty um, um, Batman cookie comic. Um, um, but I said it looked like it wasn't going to be good, and I got it because it was cheap, and it turned out to be not good. So, mm -hmm. fine. I stand corrected. From DCComics.com. Spinning out of the events of both Batman slash Superman, colon, World's Finest, and Shadow War, father and son will do battle in one of the single most earth-shattering tales ever told. Batman vs. Robin, a new five-issue, 48 pages each, series by Mark Wade, Mahmoud Asrar, Jordi Belair, and Steve Wands, launches on September 13th. Deep in the heart of Lazarus Island, the demonic legacy of the Al Ghul family line has at last been freed, and the devil Nija is out for blood. To reclaim his total domination over planet Earth, Nija has supercharged magic. Anyone who dares use it is overcome by a demonic evil that supercharges their abilities to dangerous, unpredictable, and in some cases, deadly levels. <laughs> With Damien in Nija's clutches and Bruce haunted by the return of an old friend, the Dark Knight and the Boy Wonder are pitted against one another in the Battle of the Century. Legendary writer Mark Wade helms the next epic saga in Batman history, while superstar artist Mahmoud Asrar makes his triumphant return to the sea. So I've actually been following the prelude stuff to this. Oh, I know, yeah? fucking crazy. Oh, yeah? Um, I'm going to probably talk about it today. I read the... It's a collected edition of all of the stuff that is why Damien isn't Robin and why he goes on his own escapades and whatever. 
Um, and I've been following the Robin line, which has been pretty cool. And the Shadow War book, which is the crossover between the Robin book and the Batman book, is coming out pretty soon. So I'm actually looking forward to this. Um, this is a... I looked into it a little bit, and apparently this is DC's, like, big event for the fall, and that's, like, it, which is cool. Hmm. So that means... That's uh, because we have, um, the current, uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, because, of course, it got its name expanded, because they're like, haha, it's actually a crisis crisis, haha, fuck you. Um, but it's nice that this is kind of, like, it for the rest of the year. It's a smaller series. It's not, like, a company-wide thing. Uh, Interesting. That's nice. I have not been following any of it, and am thus not really interested. I don't know, man. Damien's a weeb now. I like it. I like it a lot. He definitely would be a weeb. He's, he's pretty cool these days. Uh, from StarWars.com, The return of Kira has been one of the biggest and most impactful surprises in Marvel's Star Wars line. As leader of the Crimson Dawn crime syndicate, not to mention one of Han Solo's first true loves, her presence and actions have forever changed the post-Empire uh, Strikes Back landscape. The Solo, a Star Wars story, fan favorite, first reemerged in the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, orchestrating the theft of a still-frozen-in-carbonite Han from Boba Fett. This led to the follow-up event Crimson Reign, in which Kira makes a move against the Empire, gaining the ire of Palpatine himself. But this being Star Wars, Kira's saga is no two-parter. Hold on. The Crimson Reign is spelled with a G for those listening to this audio-only podcast. Gray, Ray, Ray, Ah. Star Wars Hidden Empire, a five-issue miniseries starting in November, will be the third and final installment in writer Charles Soule's unofficial Kira trilogy, StarWars.com can reveal. The series, illustrated by Stephen Cummings, will find Kira and the Emperor on a collision course. This is my hidden empire, she defiantly clears in Crimson Reign number five as a tease of what's to come. Choke on it. For Soule, who just saw the release of his 100th Star Wars comic, Hidden Empire is the culmination of years of work. This new story is designed to deliver the big finale to Kira's story, at least this phase of it, he tells StarWars.com. She emerged from years of hiding with an elaborate, incredible plan to bring down the Sith, and Hidden Empire is the endgame. It brings in players from all over the Star Wars universe, from Darth Vader to Dr. Aphra to the Knights of Ren, and I think it'll be really satisfying but tragic. As I had a character say in the very first issue of Crimson Reign, Kira's story is a tragedy, but in a good way. Um, much looking forward to Gimme Now. I'm pretty far behind on this, but it's nice to know this series is doing cool things. Wow. I only follow the Darth Vader stuff and... But Colin. Mommy. Dr. Afra. No, not Dr. I mean, also, yes, Dr. Wait, who's Mommy? Kira. Mommy. I know, but... I know! Not every Mommy needs my attention. Uh, I don't know. Amelia Clark needs your attention. <laughs> it's your turn. Fuck! From Marvel.com. <coughs> On the eve of the character's 60th anniversary. The alcoholic Iron Man will begin a new era this December. Writer Gary Duggan, X-Men, and artist Juan Frigiri, Avengers, will kick off a new run of Iron Man solo title that will bring Tony Stark to his darkest depths, only to rise greater than ever before. Invincible Iron Man will follow Christopher Cantwell's thought-provoking run on the title that concludes in November's Iron Man uh, number 750. 
the upcoming milestone issue that will give fans their first glimpse of what's to come in this new chapter. The ongoing series will begin with Tony reflecting on the highs and lows of his 60 years of history, including digging up some classic armors and confronting old wounds to overcome a devastating defeat at the hands of a Marvel villain who's been making big waves throughout the Marvel Universe recently. It all ends here? Question mark? Tony Stark, the genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, has lost it all. Colin his wealth, his fame, his friends. But Stark doesn't realize he still has so much more to lose, especially when a mystery villain puts out a hit on him. Every assassin around the Marvel Universe has come out of the shadows for Tony, and he has no idea who hired them. Will this... Cavill kid. Will this Henry Cavill of Killers close the book on Iron Man? It's the beginning of the end, as the Golden Avenger must fight for his life and find out what it really means to hit rock bottom. Quote, It's my privilege to try and follow Christopher Cantwell in his collaborator's stellar run on Iron Man heading into an anniversary year. Duggan said, quote, Juan and I are going to introduce a new menace that is gunning for Tony Stark and his greatest creation. We have an epic tale for Stark and plans for old foes, including flashbacks to some of his classic armors. How about a little silver centurion for his diamond anniversary? Armor up, you're gonna need it, end quote. Basically John Wick but Iron Man, I'm into this. Sure. Gimme. I like I like assassins and poor people running from assassins shit. Mm. Poor people running from assassins is nice. Now I'm gonna go write a a, a mini series called oh, The Alcoholic oh, oh. Iron Man, and it's only about his alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. What? It sounds like you're gonna do that just to work some things out. Shh. I'm concerned for you. <laughs> do you need help? <laughs> From Marvel.com, this November, Marvel's first family will kick off their next great adventure in Fantastic Four number one, an all-new series from writer Ryan North, known for the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and artist Ivan Coelho, known for Venom. The issue will also feature two covers by superstar artist Alex Ross. To launch this new era of Fantastic Four, North and Coelho have landed the team, or at least a member or two, in a world of trouble. Something has gone terribly wrong in New York, sending The Thing and his wife Alicia traveling across America to escape it. But when they stop in a small town for the night and wake up the morning before they arrived, they find themselves caught in a time loop that's been going on since they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. I had the advantage that Dan Slott's run... Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. Fuck you! (laughs) I had the... Welcome back to the... (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I had the advantage that Don Slott's run went super huge, North said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. In the most recent art... Art... In the most recent arc, The Reckoning War, they saved not just the universe, but the multiverse. That made the choice obvious. I'm never going to be as big as Dan did, so let's tell smaller stories about the Fantastic Four, and that was my way in. 
I want to do these smaller, self-contained stories in the vein of 60s Star Trek, where they go down to a planet, find a weird thing, fix the weird thing, and move on, he added. Holy shit, somebody gets me. Thank you. Having these four weirdos roll into town where there's a mystery or a problem or some sci-fi thing, solve the problem, then move on, struck me as a very interesting way to position the Fantastic Four and tell stories that would feel fresh and not like a retread of what we've seen before. After the first issue spotlights, Ben Grimm and Alicia issue number two will focus on Reed Richards and Sue Richards, while issue number three pivots to Johnny Storm. But don't worry, true believers, the series will bring them all back together before long. I'm literally coming. This is very good. I think I've even said it before. Like, uh, yeah, it, like not that long ago. Yeah, that it needs to be just Fantastic Four goes out in space and does weird stuff episodically. See, I think that's why you'd like the older stuff, despite the like really heavy text-based Stanley writing. Like yeah. They literally, it's just... Oh, look, bad guy, and then Reed makes a box, and then he presses the button on the <laughs> box, and then the bad guy goes away. Like, that's all of their early stuff. So I, I think you'd probably get into that. Interesting. I'm very excited for this. Yep. When does it come out again? I know, I just read uh, it. November, I think. November. I think all this news so far has been Mostly stuff November. coming out in November. That's how they do solicitations, my dude. It's fine. I'm just clarifying for the listeners. From CBR.com, for the first time in over a decade, Jim's Lee, Jim's Lee, <laughs> Jim's Lee, Jim Lee's Wild Cats are hitting comic book shops with a brand new series that will see them facing none other than Gotham City's Court of Owls, Burbs. Wild Cats number one, written by Matthew Rosenberg and illustrated by Steven Segovia, goes on sale in November. The issue sees Cole Cash, better known as the red mask-wearing, gun-toting renegade Grifter, working for the Halo Corporation to assemble a group of operatives with the goal of completing missions in the outskirts of the DC Universe. The team's first task is to round up an elite group of scientists, but their mysterious leader, Void, seems to have other plans. Meanwhile, the Court of Owls lurks in the shadows, and a showdown between both organizations is imminent. Wildcats has always been a mix of everything I love in comics, Rosenberg said. From the very first issue, it exploded off the page with the coolest characters, the most gorgeous art, the craziest ideas, and it was never afraid to be subversive, go harder, and push things further than its contemporaries. Now we're smashing all of that good stuff full speed into the heart of the DC Universe. I'd say we're going to be respectful and try not to break things, but that would be a lie. This would explain why Matthew Rosenberg was writing a couple of grifter stories in the um, Batman Urban Legends book. It was probably a test run. Mm. So I have very little familiarity with these characters, but the fact that they're a team that comes from outside of... DC continuity originally, and they're getting like yeeted into it, but they're explicitly saying that they want to fuck shit up makes me more interested than being like, but what if Watchmen, but DC, der? Because that always gets annoying. When it's, it's funny that it's cats and burbs. Cats and burbs. Cats and burbs. I, I dig that. Dongs and wongs, wings and wongs, wings and sing songs. Read the he's last piece. He's out of a roll today. I know. From StarWars.com. Star Wars. Colon, Revelations, a special one-shot coming in November and revealed here exclusively, promises to point to the future of Marvel Star Wars line, currently set after Star Wars, colon, The Empire Strikes Back, written by Mark Gungahunga. <laughs> Guggenheim. 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 <laughs> Star Wars, colon, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and illustrated by Salvador LaRocca. Yes. Salvador La Roca and Paco Medina and more. 
the tail finds Darth Vader seeking out the eye of Webbish Bog on Mustafa, a mysterious creature strong with the Force, in a tale that will tease the direction for Marvel's various Star Wars series. Quote, Now, we all know that the Force can be used to glimpse the present, the past, and possible futures. End quote. Gungahung tells StarWars.com, quote, Well, the eye is going to show Vader all of the above, including moments that will be coming into play in 2023 all across the Star Wars line. It's our clear way of giving readers a preview of what everyone has up their sleeves for next year, but this isn't a 40-page movie trailer. It's a real Star Wars story with Vader at the center, end quote. You can get a first look at the gorgeous movie poster-like cover, by Phil Noto below. Nope. In addition to this look at what's ahead across Marvel's Star Wars titles, Revelations will also touch on the House of Ideas, next big crossover event in the galaxy far, far away, the just-announced Star Wars Hidden Empire. Hey, we just talked about that. That's some heavy lifting for one story, and Gugahunga has approached it with care. Quote, my goal is to make this story feel as important Actful as possible, end quote. He says, quote, without stepping on the toes of my fellow writers, end quote. Gungahunga so sounds like he knows what he's doing. So every single kind of... time Colin has to read a name, it's just confused Ooga Booga. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So it's kind of like an annual issue. Yeah, that's, that's what nice. it sounds like. Also, they're continuing to do more Darth, Darth Vader on Mustafar with the weird spider shit. <laughs> I dig it. I love it. <laughs> The cover looks really nice. I like Phil Noto's covers. <clears throat> That's the end of the news. On to other things that I love. Uh, She-Hulk? Mommy? Milkers? What do we want to start with? Because we have three things. Let's get Mommy Milkers well, out of the way. Well, you said things you love, so yeah, let's go with the, the uh, She-Hulk Let's episode. just get her out of the way right now. Okay, <laughs> so uh, the first episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law uh, came out yesterday. Uh, wait, no. That was not yesterday. That was two days ago. I'm stupid. Dumbass. Shut up. Uh, it is... Time is relative. That time is true. Time is relationship. Time doesn't really exist. Time is within your own mind. Time is its own dimension. And dimensions are their own space. Whoa. And space is its own matter. And matter is its own mass. And mass is your mom. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I was just sitting here like, where is he going with this? <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> That's the best one I've done, actually. And I didn't know where I was going with that. Just... He just kept going. He kept pulling out dimension by dimension, and then eventually he got past God and then your mom. Um, I actually thought this episode was really funny. Yes. I laughed a lot. Like this is there were actual act jokes. It's an actual like I know that they said oh it's a comedy, oh, but like it's actually a comedy. It's funny. It didn't make me laugh. It oh, made me like snicker really? a little bit. That's something. I think them talking doing yoga and it give, gives her a tighter ass. That did not make you That was snicker. hilarious. I've just heard stuff like it's the same joke. I've heard that before. It's just not funny to me. I've heard that when I was like 10 in the movies that my parents were watching and it's like Sure, it's, it, it's funny. It's not like I hate it. I don't hate it. I actually do enjoy it. I thought it was fun. I like the fourth wall breakage. It's good I, so far. I think that... So this is not to do with fourth wall, fourth wall, but like I just wanted to talk about Hulk for a second. I, um, I'm with you on that. There's actually a couple of things in terms of Bruce I wanted to So when he says bruh 
at first I was like, what? And then I was like, wait, maybe, maybe that makes sense because if because someone pointed this out when I was looking on on like other like Reddit and Twitter, people are talking about how Hulk, Smart Hulk, is actually somewhat different. He's calmer than Bruce. He's not like as anxious or like he's very okay with himself. Like that's the point where he's like, this is the perfect balance of both. Yeah, and, it's like, not fine. And Bra was just so normal for him. Like he he definitely looks like a redditor and uses like internet slurs or internet slurs, <laughs> internet phrases. I really liked what they did with Bruce in this episode, and I appreciate that they got him out of the way, so to speak, instead of it being. Uh, like in some of the, the She-Hulk comics, which I think is something that Jacob touched on, like hey. he's he's there for a bit, he does some mentoring, and he kind of dips, because it's not about Bruce, it's it's about Jen, mm-hmm. and her, her books are comedic, like that's why she doesn't show up in crossover events, or like doing, like it's just goofy, silly shit that like technically happened. So yeah, that brings fun. me back to the fourth wall breaks then, because the first one was good, I thought it was funny that she's like, all right, you're here for Hulk. Let's get him out of the way. That was great. Yes. But then the second one where they're standing in the bar and she's yeah. like, he's not serious about that. That I, one I, felt kind of dumb. I died, actually. That one, like, like kind of rolling on the couch. That was funny. Huh. I don't know. I think your humor's broken. I think you're broken. <laughs> um, I am. But, okay, so I'm, I don't want to... in general, I think, just to get him out of the way, like, yeah. they're, they put a lot of emotional weight into that. I'm kind of impressed because... Hulk's been a freaking mess since, like, 2012. He's been all over the place. Yeah. I don't know. I no. really liked him in Avengers. Age of Ultron was ye, and then... I'm saying Incredible Hulk. Incredible I'm, Hulk was very good. But I like, actually kind of liked Incredible Hulk. I think I most too. people do. It's just not exciting. I didn't like it growing up. Really? Yeah, because I thought it was kind of, like, lame. It just it felt It kind of felt like a Fantastic Four movie to me, where it was, like, just straightforward. So it was kind of, like, boring, but then as I grew o- older, I'm like, oh, wait, this is every single fucking Marvel movie pretty much right now. I'm and just then, glad they changed out the actor. Yes, me too. I like that they changed the actor. I just, like, I I do miss, like, just angry, like, really, like, actually scary Hulk. So that's the thing, is I agree with you. I think that that... I like the developments that they wanted to do to the character. I don't like how they did it. I yeah. don't like how the they basically they came out and said like because we can't do movie like we don't have the movie rights we have to put his story in other movies so it feels kind of disjointed between different directors and writers. And then there was the big time jump shenanigans where they're like, and now we just have this massive <coughs> development. I really like mm. him as Smart Hulk. He's funny to too. watch. The the look is great. Oh, I yeah. genuinely like the look a yeah. lot. But the fact that they didn't show most of that development is kind of a... I think everyone collectively agrees that's kind of just a big L. Mm-hmm. But they're going into a... They, they went into a little bit of that in this episode. Say, you have some of his character development in this show because he's excited that there's another Hulk and he gets to to train her and and he's holding on to a lot of baggage and for there, sure there's a lot there and here and here's where i have a problem with this <laughs> jen's being a bitch that's literally gonna so, be her character arc i know i understand <laughs> i understand but there's this whole discourse of like plebs versus like woke folk where it's like everyone's like, yeah, Jen, tell him to stop mansplaining, blah, blah, blah. And then there's also the plebs that are like, 
oh, she should be doing this, she should be listening to Bruce, where it's like, it should be the middle where Bruce should recognize that she doesn't need all the help, which he, he does a little bit, but she also needs to realize that he's been doing this for years and he's trying to help her from, um, like, having, experiencing the same trauma that he has. Well, there's That's... also a little bit of balance against him where he's trying to lock her down for, like, 20 years. Yeah, no, that that that's, that's good on her that's for, like, getting away from that, but, like... I agree with you. See, that's the thing, is the, uh, the big D word, discourse, on this is already toxic to shit, and I hate yes, it. Yes, it is. But I was kind of... I'm not impressed. I like how they handled it in terms of it's framed as... He doesn't understand what she's been through, but also she doesn't understand what he's been through. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that their t- their types of trauma are equal. That when you start comparing that sort of shit, it makes everyone worse. Like there's no need for that. You don't compare trauma. Like That's exactly. Just, you don't do like, that. It's a thing. He doesn't totally understand what she's Deadpool been. Did it and it worked out just fine for him. That pulls a cock. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to understand that. Like he needs to be able to respect her decisions, even if he know, even if he thinks she's wrong. And I believe the show is telling us that she's being a bit too flippant about it. I think it's kind of clear. Like, that's part of her personality. She's a little flippant. She's a little bit like that. That's part of the deal. But I'm pretty sure that's kind of clearly being set up as, like, a character flaw. That, like, he does need to, like, let her do her own thing. But also, she does need to, like, respect him at least a little bit. And I think they did a decent enough balance. Just respect, that, like, just respect that, like, he's that someone's actually trying to help you. He, right. he, does, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to help you at all. Right, and that's the thing where I think the show is doing a lot more of the legwork than the character is because the show, when Bruce is effectively trauma dumping, when he's just going like, blah, blah, this is all the shit I went through, the show do- itself doesn't undercut that. She does, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. She's like, okay, but then also X. And he's like, I agree, X is also bad. But like the, the show doesn't go, you know, pause. There is yeah. no, like, badumptus to it. It's like... He has been through X, Y, and Z. He wants to help prevent other things from happening, but also they're not the same person, and they have entire like entire like that's why she, she doesn't have the entire episodes. Him going, oh shit! Well, we don't have to do that. Well, we don't have to like that's how she's in the comics. She's yep. a very different. Yeah, she doesn't character. have a persona. She's literally just her exactly, and I I like <clears throat> that, and I think he's gonna come back later, and I think they're also they're definitely setting up more stuff with we, Hulk. Is there ever like a reason for that, or what do you mean? Like, why she doesn't have a persona. I don't remember. Mind. I haven't read all of it, obviously. From I, what I, I can remember, like not the really. Best, the best uh, answer, the easiest answer, not best, but the easiest answer is a sexist one where it's like, where she, no, she said it first. She said that women are just full of rage and fear. So if she's already like that, it's, it's, so it's easier to control. I mean, I think it works in, t- in the way of, like, it's easier to control that part. I think it's more so just that, like, Bruce himself is just fucked up. Like, that's what the comics exactly. are doing, especially yeah. lately. Like, Bru- it's like, Bruce he's got, like, like, 15 voices in his head. He yeah, is Bruce just, like, dumps. Fucked. Like, he just, like, bottles it up. So, yeah. of course, he's got another persona in there. Yeah. Because he bottles it up, but also exactly. he's like, got, like, DID. No, he has hardcore DID. Like, yeah. And that's the thing is, like, she's got her own problems, clearly, but, like, she's... Kind of a more developed person than she's he is because of she's a had person. because she's already had the opportunity to be like that. Yeah. Whereas as soon as Bruce got screwed up, he spent the last fifteen some years mm-hmm. having to constantly be running or trying to not like m- kill an entire city or like whatever. Whereas she's already in like mid mid late thirties maybe. Mommy. Like, so I dig that the action yeah. I thought was kind of fun. 
Um, I was just about to talk about that. The final fight scene where she's in the courtroom and somebody just bursts in for no reason yes. and stands there waiting to get pummeled by a superhero felt kind of kind of underbaked because the person, yeah, cause we don't the know villain what's going just on. breaks in and is like, ah. I think there uh, that is something I had a... It was clearly a setup for her to be like, well, yeah, I'm She-Hulk. Obviously, but that's like it's a comedy show, so I think that's part of it. I think the U, the MCU is turning. It's gotten to the point where they kind of have to be like Marvel Comics, where they go, "Oh wow, look, another person with powers!" Like it's literally every five minutes right. somebody mm-hmm. breaks through a wall. Like it's pretty normal for them at this point. There's no need to really dress it up that much. And then did Colin see the uh, the post credit scene? Yes, I did. And that was hilarious. Thoughts. Um. She kind of annoyed me a little bit, uh, but I found it kind of funny that she was so obsessed with figuring out if Steve was a virgin or not. Right. This and he is, finally I, had, and, and Banner finally had to say, <laughs> no, he was not a virgin. She's like, yes, he's not a virgin. America's ass is not a virgin. I, I don't know. I, I find it funny. I found the original ass discourse funny, too, yes. when Endgame came out. Yeah. I, I get why it's a little grating, and I hope that they kind of move on to a new joke in yes. a little bit, but the fact that it, it, I don't know, instead of it just being like Hulk having his uh, Tony Stark-related shenanigans, which is really nice that they emphasize that in yeah. a nice way, because I've, they dropped the they science... They were best friends. As soon as, the, as soon as they established the two of them as friends, they dropped all the science bros shit, which is really lame. Yeah, so it's nice that they're, they're effectively retconning a bunch of other stuff in there. So instead of it just being, like, he, Hulk had a relationship with Steve just like he did with Tony. Yeah. They were just different. Yeah, they, and they because, were science bros. And they, because Iron Man died, they're seemingly going to keep not really making jokes about that, but they are going to make jokes about Steve because Steve isn't dead, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that she was so obsessed with Captain America's virginity because it seems to she me... she wanted to take it? No. Oh, my gosh. She seems... To be, like, taking the toxic D-word discourse that you guys complain about and I magically avoid and is, like, turning it into a joke. Mm-hmm. It's almost a soft middle finger at those dumb people on the internet. And I like it. I agree. I wish... Jacob and I agree. I'm confused on what discourse you're talking about. Which one? About Captain America getting laid. Like, there was oh, so much yeah. arguing about, ooh, did he... Go back in time and and live with Peggy for the rest of his life. Or, ooh, ooh. The see the uh, bigger the bigger yeah. implications of that means so he got laid at the World Fair. He was a scrawny bitch. Yeah, and that was Darren. That was probably on like his depressive night before he went and tried to enlist the last time. So, where's the short film? <laughs> I need it. Oh my god! Uh, aside from all the other universe building stuff, I think that they imp- not really improved the. The CG model looks fine. Yeah. It's better than the trailers. It's not amazing, but I think they had, they also kind of dumbed down Hulk a little bit, so the contrast wasn't quite so high. And I think part of it is just the fact that they, they give Ruffalo's model, like they make him look like Ruffalo, and he has stubble. He has body hair and he has stubble, whereas she does not. So mm. it makes it a lot, it's easier to get like more, uh, dynamic-looking models with better depth and, like, lighting because there's more 
stuff Stop. to interact with. There's yeah. there's hair on his body. That's he's got true. the hair, the glasses, whatever. Whereas she's just like buttery smooth, which is expected. It just I think that's part of why it looks a lot more rubbery, kind of. But, uh, buttery smooth melons. Oh my gosh. Buttery it looks smooth fine. rubber is what he just said. The only mm. thing in terms of her design that Ooh. I'm a little bit not, not that I have a problem with it, I'm just realizing now why I think it's a little weird for me to look at her human form versus the Hulk form is the fact that her hair just becomes instantly straight. Yes, that's weird too. Yeah, I thought like, that's it's so a, weird. I get why because that's what she looks like in the comics. It's she a very she looks very close sometimes, but the typically it's, times typically it's pretty straight hair. But the actress that they cast for the human form, Tatiana Tatiana Maslany, one is fucking hilarious. But two, like she has curly hair. Like it would be kind of weird if she had straight hair. So like I don't really care. It's just I think that's one of the reasons why my brain is like, okay, well now we have the CG model. Because the, the hair just changes, which is fine. Like, I don't really care. It's just something I'm notating as, like, a reason why it might look a little weird. But I hadn't even noticed that, but that is a great point. Yeah, it's wavy. It, I think just because it's long enough. But, I don't know. She's, I think the actress is phenomenal, like, in terms of casting-wise. I think that's the one thing the MCU kind of always, ex- almost always excels at, even when the projects are kind of, like, meh, is the casting is almost always freaking phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. These covers are hot. Yes. Um, she has a lot of experience. Down in, boy. Yeah. Damn. She has a lot of experience in like dramatic television as well as um, comedy. So like her her timing is really freaking good. Like I, she feels like she just blends right in. Yeah. And I dig it. Uh, I don't know. I I think the um, the implications of the other Sicarian spaceship coming down and causing the crash and whatnot. <laughs> I'm guessing they're setting up some form of like a World War Hulk thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, is yeah, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am hoping that they don't shove it into a miniseries though. No. Uh, but that also means they need to get the rights back from Universal, which I think the license might be expiring on that sometime soon. I don't know about that. But I, I heard something. I just didn't check it. That's what I was hoping for when they said Sakar, Sakari, and I was like, huh? really? Yeah. Because that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be cool. I always get the Marvel alien races mixed up. They sound the trash planet. Somewhere. Yes, where he, yeah. where yeah, 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 yeah. Um, World Breaker Hulk. I Let's just, go. I just liked the chemistry between the two of them. It was fun watching them. It was funny, you know. Like the pacing was nice. It was like, oh, look at these two dweebs. They feel like cousins. Because mm. it's like you have World Breaker Hulk and then World War Hulk. Oh, I have no idea what the fuck they're gonna do. Fantastic but... Four ships him off. And a couple other people. They're like, you're a danger to society. Goodbye. And uh, he gets pissy and comes back and wrecks the world. I'm a little uh, annoyed that they're just making him be fully healed again because of, like, originally Endgame wanted the decision to use the gauntlet to do the blip, blah, blah. Like, it was supposed to be, like, a permanent damage thing. I get why they need to then be like, okay, so if he does the science... And he puts the thing on, and then he can go back to being human. He can heal, blah, blah, whatever. Like, probably because they want to do more stuff with Hulk. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, realizing yeah. that they kind of screwed the pooch on that. And they're yeah, going, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. we can't have him be like this if we want to use him as, like, a fully-fledged, like, strength-based character. Yeah, 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 it yeah. would have been cool to have him just do science stuff in the background. And, like, because it, it's a weird, like, dynamic shift. But also, like, uh, you kind of fucked it up the last few times. You should probably fix that before you make him sit on the sidelines. Anyways. Speaking of sidelines, I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this. 
Sandman. The Dream World? Sand, Sandman. The is, Dreaming. Uh, yes. The Lord of the Dreams. Yes. The Dream Lord. Morphingus. Morph. Morphingus. Yes. Morphingus. 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 Morphingus? In the Bingus? <laughs> Netflix dropped the first season of The Sandman, which, um, which is 10 episodes. They also released a bonus. Uh, episode with two stories in it a couple of days ago, which I am the only one who has seen, so I will not be discussing it. <laughs> so I will not be discussing it. Well, I'm not going to spoil it for well, you guys. Well, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. I hate you. I've read it. Congrats. So, Sandman. Um, fucking amazing. I love pretty much every single minute of it. And since I've read further than Jacob, I'm not going to spoil anything, but a lot of... I, I was reading it as I was watching it, not at the same time, but like, I was reading and watching Sandman, and so you were they reading took volume the, two yes. as you were watching basically volume one, right? Yes. Okay. But they took some lines from volume two and oh. added them into volume one. Oh. So like, you know, when Death is talking to Sandman about like, he's like, "What are you going to do at the end of it?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, close up shop, put up the chairs, and whatever." That line. I love that line. Uh, was in the second book when she was talking to an uh, metamorpho, the fe- uh, female metamorpho. And I don't think they're going to do that story because that was just a short comic. Just to, like, that, was only, that only had death in it, and basically everything that happened in that and everything she said was said in that episode of Sandman. So I could see them not using that. So speaking of that, I think episode six, which was the episode around... Um, the ruby? Was that six or was that three? I don't think that was six. Pretty sure it was six. Uh, the episode where, uh, yeah, no, it's six, uh, where Dream follows Death doing her duties, which is issue eight mm-hmm. of the series, and then it combines it with issue 13 or 14, yeah. which is the one with the uh, guy that they give immortality, blah, blah. From the 1300s. That, so, that, that episode, episode, I think, was the peak of the show, but also I think is just... It's so incredibly accurate, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. The rest of the show is very close, but I think it takes mostly necessary adaptational changes. They, and I'm so they, okay with that. They, they move the, 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 some of the order of events around, and like they have to beef up some things. Mm-hmm. Like The Corinthian gets a bigger role in this series because you need him to properly yeah. be a bad guy. But like none of it feels weird. But I think 6 is a really good demonstration of like you can still do it kind of like shot for shot, but you can like it, it. Still feels different. I um, I I like what they did with Death to make her more to make her different from her comic counterpart mm-hmm. with while still like staying in character. I strongly agree with that take. Me too. Spencer and I we had, had a lot of a conversation about this. Yes, because I was having a hard time. <sighs> I did it to myself. I listened to the audible version in the day on my way into work, and then at night I would watch that story in the Netflix version so I could see the differences pretty 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 clearly mm-hmm. and then I was also whipping out the book like did they say that but best way to do any of the Sandman stuff is to read the book with the audio going in the background so you yeah. can hear it while it's moving it's so cool um so the audible adaptation is very, very, very close. And then the Netflix adaptation is very close. So that was why I was having an issue with the Netflix adaptation. But it is still very good. And like Spencer said, uh, uh, it 
has to do it has to make necessary changes I I do because of the medium because it's a TV show and also no just because it's a TV show like I really liked that they uh, it's a DC property but they took out all of the DC characters from the story that was like definitely it's not, a, that was a Neil Gaiman decision because he I wrote like this he wrote all the screenplays except for episode 11 um, so he's just adapting his own mm-hmm. work but he has openly stated that when they had the heavy emphasis on it being in the DC universe in the first like ten or so issues, it was like the biggest mistake he made when writing the entire series. There's no need for it. I Mostly mean, no. So the, the like fact Scarecrow's that, gone, um, Batman and Green Lantern putting uh, what's his uh, Doctor Destiny in prison, and Arkham Asylum is gone. Arkham yeah. Asylum's gone. Um, and that's also the thing with Constantine is it's whilst it's partially uh, just kind of a gender swap role, she's still very different than John. Okay, so yeah. So they're not so, the same character, it, aside from the aesthetic choice. <laughs> so, here is the only difference about them. Actually, Hold on. let me restate that. <laughs> they literally, I don't care what Neil says, Neil can say what he wants, but her function and everything she does in the story, they are literally the same. The only difference is that she... um can probably deal with trauma a lot better and function like a human. That is the only difference. She does seem to have a little bit more of her life together, which yes, I did, I did appreciate. Kind of the only difference. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's some more detail-oriented stuff that was changed around that I'm not very familiar with, so I can't really speak she, on it. She technically has the same origin story. Too. No, she has the same origin story. She, she has the same, the same partner, blah, blah, whatever. It yeah. just There's a few things. They're it's both just, gay. Well, yes. So that was that was one of the reasons where I was it it just it makes the dynamic a little different. Like there's it's hard to put words on it. It just tweaks it a little bit, and I really dug it. I do like it because it also. I helps. also like how it was just episode three. Yes, but I also like how it like separates. It's this also still separates him from the DC comics because it's not John Constantine. Everyone knows John Constantine as DC, where if you just do someone that. Uh, that's in the t- in like the uh, family tree. It's it can still be like disconnected, even though it's the same name and function. It's not him. Yes, I think that's what the original when they had announced the cast, but they hadn't announced that it was going to be taking place in modern day. But whereas I thought it, yeah, I was confused too because I didn't know it was that in modern was day. it was. I believe there was a it was a rumor. It was an idea that she might have been like John's grandmother, basically, because they hadn't shown any footage yet. So yeah, we didn't she know she was a character in the comics, right? That, yeah, they took and the name a, from a different character. It's like his great grand something like that. Grandmother, something yeah. Like that. I also they I like how they brought up someone further back in the family tree later, but for like three seconds. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, that's her in the comics. Yeah. The thing on the whole that I really appreciate about this is that it made it more of a narrative. Mm-hmm. Not that that's something I prefer. I really like how the Sandman comics, I'm up to issue 60-ish, I think, is like, most of it is very segmented. You have stories where Dream appears for like two panels. It's all relevant. A lot of it, you don't get why it's relevant until much later. Mm-hmm. But... The, mm-hmm. It's it's segmented in a certain way, whereas like the, it's more about the concept of dreams and stories mm-hmm. more so than dream as a character. Whereas the show, because it's a TV show, kind of needs a primary protagonist, so they pull dream a little bit closer, and they string him a bit more through a lot of the events, and oh, then the like same it. do the same thing with the Corinthian. So it's a lot more of like 
a straightforward narrative, so it's easier to watch. But I still think it stays really, really close in line. And also, Sturridge as Dream is, like, perfect. Oh, so good. <laughs> That's what I was about to go into, is casting. Every is single thing cast, casting-wise really is perfect. perfect. Um, Dream is great. I love Stephen Fry as uh, the Fiddler's Green. Yeah. yeah. That was perfect. He's so warm. Oh, um, so good. Oh, make it quick. Because I have more. Because I want... We, we glossed over, like, one of my favorite stories, which was... It was the story about death, but yeah. the second half of the, of that episode... Yes. ...were with his best friend! That was great. His best friend! I love that. Besties. I, I like how they changed that, because in the comics, he was gone for, like, 50 years. In this, he was gone for over 100 years. Yeah. So he missed his appointment. I like that. Instead of in the comics, he made it, and it was just, like, a happy end and whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I guess we are friends. Mm-hmm. But this one was more like... I thought we weren't friends. I had missed that because in the Audible version, he missed his appointment, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, The only thing that I... I want to go back to casting! Yeah, casting-wise, to merger two points, um, I think Kirby Howe Baptiste as, like, death was so fucking perfect, it's not even funny. Mm. Because she has more screen time than the other Endless that are there. That's... Okay, not that specifically, but what I was going to say is... The... (laughs) She obviously suits the same narrative purpose as um, Death in the, the comic. Uh, the reveal that this weird goth girl that's following Dream around is I love Death the goth girl. is such a good twist. I watched this with uh, my girlfriend, and she had no idea who the hell this person was going to be. And it was, it, was like, it was an actually good twist that she fell for, effectively. Um, but I like how they stayed within the same realm of what the comic character serves as, like... Wait, she didn't realize it was death? No, because it's not stated until mo- until she starts killing people. It's not really... Oh, yeah. yeah. Doesn't know, you don't know who the hell it is. She, uh, she, my girlfriend lo- loves Neil Gaiman, but she has no familiarity with anything Sandman because oh. she doesn't like comics. I know, I know, I know. She doesn't like comics? That's why I was really excited for this That's show to it. come out. Colin and I are breaking up with her. You can stay with her, but Colin Bro. and I are breaking up with your girlfriend. Bro, what the fuck? <laughs> I like that... She has the same emotional attitude towards her job. Obviously, the, a lot of the dialogue is carried over from the book. She is a, a warm face in a trying time. But I like that, ju- I don't know, with... The personification. Yeah, it works well in the show. I feel like if they had done what the comics do, where your suspension of disbelief is a lot higher, if they had gone full, like goth girl makeup, it would have been a bit much, which would have been fine, you know, whatever. But, like, I like how when Neil Gaiman cast um, the the actress, he said, like, it seems like he molded the role around her more so than finding someone to fit exactly what he wanted and had already written. (laughs) This is where I wanted to go with casting. Ah! She's so cute. I love her. Ah! I, I really liked her performance. She was great. Yes. But, on the Audible version, where they cast Cat Dennings, I was like, "Ew!" And then I listened to it, and I'm gonna pull a Spencer. Almost shed a tear. I, it was such a great performance. It. Cat Dennings is actually a really good actor. She was great as Death. So fantastic performances by both. I I don't remember what her name is in the in the show. What's her name? The actress? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby Howell Baptiste. It's a hyphenated last name. Kirby. Kirby Howell Baptiste, if I remember correctly. Kirby Howell Baptiste. I love 
Kirby Hell yes. Baptiste. She is. She looks so... like she gives the best hugs. Yeah, dude. Like, okay, so Sorry, usually hugs are full on hug. Yes, full okay. on hug. Um, or like whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> but like, no, stop. This is the only time I want to make like non-sexual thing about a woman. Okay, <laughs> the only time. Yeah, okay. That's why. That's why I use the word cute. Cause she is so cute. Like I just want to give her a hug, and I want her to just smile at me and tell me everything's okay. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, it's like you it's want like, her to tell you that you're no, a good boy. Yes. It's, it's like big sister vibe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's not like I find. Just kind of. She is attractive, point. but she's big sister. I'm like, oh. That's exactly what she is. And I've to never treat. had a big sister. Wow. I'll be your I'll big wait, sister. I'll wait, Wesley. No. But that's oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, casting across the board. I did not. Boyd Lucifer. Boyd that Holbrook. was great. I had a point. I think I talked to She's creepy as fuck. Yeah. That's and the Lucifer's thing with... great because he's creepy as fuck because he kind of looks feminine anyway. So this is the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. Bingus. Um, so the, I think the reason why uh, they cast a, 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 a woman in the role of Lucifer, aside from the fact that typically speaking, Lucifer in most like ex- extended Christian Christian mythology, you know, the uh, yeah. the extended lore uh, is just androgynous anyways. Like in uh, another visual representation, The Passion of the Christ, it's a he's played by a woman. It's it's a he's a as the ultimate seductress, blah blah, whatever. So in a lot of other mediums that aren't the actual t- you know, original Passion of the Christ was a woman? Yeah, it was a woman. I don't remember. I haven't I don't remember seen it. I know that a female played Gabriel in yes. Constantine. That was fucking great. That was terrifying. Speaking of... Uh, I want to finish my point! Fuck you! Lucifer, Jacob, finish your point. Lucifer looked like the White Witch. That was my point. <gasps> oh, they look very yeah, similar. That's true. Yeah. Okay, continue your point. I think the reason why, aside from the fact that Gwendolyn Christie is a very, very imposing presence, mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm, huge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh... Colin. Colin. No, she's just scary. Uh, I don't find her attractive at all, dude. She's way... Very scary. Very scary. I think the reason why they ca- they focused more so on her menacing elements rather than the potential beauty elements, not to say that Gwendolyn Christie is ugly by any means, that's not what I'm going with, but the fact that if you... When you have desire, the literal embodiment of, like, everyone's, like, collective desire for something being, you know... Desire is scary as fuck. Also true. Um, because desire, also in the comics, is just like straightforward, like attractive. It's that's like the whole deal. I think to make the two characters far more distinct, it was kind of a ne- like necessary casting thing. Because if you were to if you were to remove somehow remove the endless from this entire scenario, mm-hmm. if you had cast uh, the actor who plays Desire as Lucifer, that would have transferred over as well. I think that would have also yeah, worked. But I, I see that. think that's what they kind of had to really Separate. push the two characters apart. Um, that episode in Hell is like my second favorite episode, though. Oh, I can't wait because the second book has a great Hell arc. And for them to add that to this show, it's going to be fucking amazing. I hope they I hope they like keep doing what they're doing yeah. with like, sticking to the comics. I liked the fact I I liked the the rep- the way that they visually portrayed their battle oh. of ideas. I like Jacob texted that was me way better than right after watching. Was Jacob was like, "You were nutting, weren't you?" And I was like, "Yes, I fucking did." Me too. I was. No, I, I was screaming my pants. I was like enamored by that. Uh, in the com- the comic, he doesn't fight Lucifer; he fights that demon. Yeah. But in this, 
the demon uses uh, has Lucifer as his champion, and I like that a lot better because that demon's just fucking. It stupid. makes for more clear antagonism between yes. different characters, especially because of how this this se- season ends. They're leaning into a lot of other arcs from the comics where Lucifer goes head to head with Dream, blah blah, but like. Also, in the comics, they had, like, a literal rap battle on stage. On a, like, stage. (laughs) It was was like a comedian stage. It was very funny. Um, I think the thing with that that made it so... I think it's one of the best distillations of what Neil Gaiman's writing is like, particularly about the Sandman, is it's... Obviously, it's about dreams. It's about stories more so than dreams, like Mm. your sleeping dreams. It's about the stories that we tell to each other and to ourselves and how we, like, create meaning out of stuff. This episode was all about that. Obviously, it's a literal battle of, like, words and stories. But Neil Gaiman writes about some of the most depressing, depraved things on on, on planet Earth. But Sandman isn't depressing. No. It's a very hopeful way of looking at things. Dream changes. He becomes better. Yeah, I do really like Dream, like, like, just in that moment, whereas when you have this, you know, what is what can defeat antimatter? And it's like... <laughs> it's like you'd think that comes across as silly or like insincere. But no, how how it's, it's moving. Yeah, I actually. I'll pull Spencer. Almost shed a tear. Oh, yes. Almost shed a tear on this one. Finally, oh. you bitches are crying. Uh, <laughs> no, no, almost. I, I actually, shed a tear. I I was crying a little. I was actually like feeling like I was gonna cry when during the death episode when he was being mean to his best friend. I was being sad about that. That was rough. That was rough. I do have something I do not like. <gasps> what? I don't like the girl that plays Rose. I don't mind her, but she's not She's not gray. a great actress. She's ve- Okay, so here's what I wrote. I don't really like the actress for Rose. She doesn't seem to know how to show emotions very well. I think that was definitely the clunkiest part of the show. Mm-hmm. For, um, for sure. Her little brother seemed to know how to act better, which it, I know that's mean to say, but oh, he did a better job. And she she was just like she kind of took took me out of the of the episode a quite a bit whenever she was around. To, it it kind of added to Stephen Fry because he's been around the block a couple of times, so that only added even more to his character as like just the the, the comforting old man that's just there to help. That's true. There, I yeah, I I get what Colin's saying, and I kind of agree. Yeah. I think it's a, I wouldn't say it's bad. I think she did fine, but it is definitely of a lesser quality in terms of probably experience in comparison to everybody else, but. When her little brother has dreams about being the Sandman, I, I, I shit myself. That. It was so funny. I, I love that he because was the Sandman instead of like there was someone else a Sandman like in that, the comics. That brought Spencer back to dreaming about being Bible Man. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I wanted to be Bible Man so bad as a kid. I really liked how they handled all of the, the coming together of the multiple plot lines into one story at the end. Obviously, I had read it, so I knew what they were doing, but like. It felt cohesive. This season feels like one complete story with some mm-hmm. threads, which they will pick up on because this show is making bonkers money. But, like, I don't know. It feels like a nice, complete project. It actually feels like they earned Dream's character arc. It doesn't feel insincere. It's like, it just at the end, where it's like, this, it's overdramatic. It's, it's, it's kind of melodrama to an extent. But, like, it works. It mm-hmm. feels nice. And it's so bizarre. 
I I think it's because they slow they definitely slowly showed him they slowly showed him change because there was times where he did realize but then he would fall back into his I am the Lord of Dreams this yep. is how it must be and then by the end of the whole vortex thing he was like maybe there is maybe I should change this is not the way yeah this is not the way I just I really I really dug that as something. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why they had to pull him closer in the narrative, because you need to demonstrate that a lot more clearly, because of how time doesn't really play a role in his life and all that sort of stuff, but it, like, does. You have to be a lot more clear about setting that up. Um, and I think I think the Corinthian really added to that, and I really like the chemistry between those two. I loved the Corinthian. Aside from just being creepy as shit like he is in the books, I really like how much more of him they added to He's really imposing, and Boyd Holbrook has a lot more range than I thought he did. He's been in a lot of stuff recently. I've really enjoyed his performances. He kind of felt like a Jake Busey kind of vibe, but yeah, pretty good. Actually. Serial convention. That was funny shit. Uh, I was kind of annoyed by how they simplified the Vortex stuff, because there was like one mention of it, and then everybody knew what a Vortex was and how it worked, and that Sandman was coming to get her. It was like, this is dumb. It definitely felt like they escalated the timeline a little bit in that. Yeah, I, it, I'm fine with it. I honestly. think it's because they wanted to keep it more contained to the second half. I wanted to get past the vortex, so I didn't even really like that in the comics. I, I found that boring. Yes. I do appreciate how they just completely skipped over the fact that Unity and Kincaid was 100% raped and gave birth to a yep, kid. Yep, I like yep. how they just didn't even address like, I'm glad they didn't address they that. Just went, it's like, if you think about it, yeah, I'm sure you can figure it out. Yep. We're not going to talk about they it. They alluded to it, though, because of the golden eyes, and yeah. that's how we yep. hunted down desire. Yeah, like, they made it clear what... Ha they, it, it's only by implication, and it's not even, like, implication. You know when people... It's basically yeah. just explicit, but they technically don't say it. Like, it's actually lightly implied. So, um, one last note from me on Sandman, but it's about the book. Oh. Uh, I just wanted to point out Whenever I hear Sandman's voice, or like whenever I read Sandman's like dialogue, the voice that comes to mind is actually Mr. Freeze from BTS. It's so yeah. For some reason, it's just Mr. Freeze from BTS. That's kind of what my That's original insert voice was when I had first started reading it. It's different now, but. For sure, that's a it's a good starting place. Because the character's so cold. cold. Oh. 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 oh my god, she's so cold. That was the only other thing I had. In terms of uh, of, of Sturridge's performance, that's the only the only thing that whereas I preferred McAvoy in the audiobook, which yep. he is really good. Yep. He has a little bit more simmering rage, which I appreciate. Yeah. I don't think Sturridge had that, but I think if they had put him in as more angry, it would have kind of started confusing the messaging a little bit. The, the one in the Netflix version seems kind of sleepy. His eyes are like half closed a bunch of times. and I like how they handled his eyes for the most part without making, you know, with just inserting CGI star-filled oh, eyes. I, I love when they did insert the, like, the, the white eyes when it was like uh, episode one when he escaped. Yeah. And he turned into the cat, and then he turned into himself again. He got the white eyes. And I was like, oh, that's creepy as fuck. I got my dad to watch the show. Nice. He's watched it three times over now. Seriously? Yes, because he's like, wow. it's so intricate, and everything like makes sense, and it works. Nice. Yes. So that's I, what I was going to get into. And Spencer and I 
this was part of our conversation. I feel that this is the the weakest entry point for, or the easiest entry point for anybody that wants to get into Sandman. Yes. Because it's so digestible. Mm-hmm. It, it cut the fat off from the little bit of fat that the books had. It, it cut it off. It simplified things. It kind of helps explain things better just because of the medium. Mm-hmm. But I still prefer the Audible version better because there's so much more detail. There are subplots that got cut entirely that I like that add to characters. But I like having all the details and reading all the things. I am that 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 jerk that would rather read the books than watch the movies. Jacob and I basically had like an hour long texting fight in the middle of the night. It was it was it was interesting. I'm not surprised. That, no. that's a regular basis. Because we, we were agreeing it used to be before this show. It's been a long time. I was like, this is true. I'm, I we can't used to even work be, opposite shifts. Yeah, I can't even be mad at you because this is fun. I've missed this. <laughs> it used to be, like because I would I used to text him in the middle of the night, wake him up because he was working first shift, mm-hmm. and then I've been I switched over to being earlier, and now he's back. He's on second shift. So then he was texting me right after I'd finished the show and was crawling into bed, and then I was like. Babe, hold on. And I was just sitting there on the couch for another hour, just <laughs> screaming at Jacob internally. Um, but we agreed on basically everything. It just, it boils down to, like, preference, pretty much. Not yes. in terms of, like, qu- like quality is hard to discuss. It's just a matter of what is easier to get into. Like, it's by design. The show is, quote-unquote, weaker than the audiobook or the book because it's a medium translation. It's not the original way it was designed. Mm-hmm. It was written as a comic book, it's going to be strongest in its original form because it was designed around the medium, not like a... I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but like, but there have been adaptations which are infinitely better than their source material. Uh, the Boys. The Boys is much yes, better. Yes, there we go. The Boys. The Boys is much better, I think more so just in terms of the writing being better, not really because of the medium change, but like stuff like that. Like It usually is a decrease in quality to some extent to make it into a TV show or a movie. But it makes it incredibly normie friendly, and I think they didn't lose too much to the point where it like loses the spirit. It's got so much of the spirit; it's almost still all there. It just happens to be a little different, and that's pretty much it. Like this is one of the best. This is probably Netflix's best show. They didn't design. They didn't actually make it. Right. WB did, so that has a lot to do. They with just it. bought it, yeah. so it doesn't count. <laughs> but this is one of easily one of the best like graphic novel comic book adaptations. I would say. Period. I would as well. Hopefully. I'll put it at the top. One of the best. One of the best. I hope it continues until they finish. DC is grabbing a lot of W's right now. They are, even despite the fact that they're also taking a lot of fat L's. Yes. Like canceling a whole movie. Moving on. No, no. I need a timeout. <laughs> I gotta pee. No, I have to pee it. as well. I'm not gonna do the announcement. Do a powerbomb. Number three. Came out this week. Let me get settled in my creaky chair. Do a Powerbomb, number three, came out the... <laughs> Welcome back to the Dime Comics Welcome back to the Dime Comics Podcast. I'm your ass host, Spencer. <laughs> Do a Powerbomb, number three, came out this week. Colin is presenting it because we are an audio-only podcast. I'm presenting it because I got the last A cover, and it was the one they used uh, for the picture on Twitter. You got boosted. I'm so happy for you. I know. I got boosted quite a bit. That was crazy. Um, 
getting up there. So that's what you were talking about. I thought you were saying Daniel Warren Johnson posted the cover, uh, the picture of that cover, and no. that's what Tom King retweeted me. Wow, because he tagged him. Um, so yeah, it's another installment in this series. I think it's eight issues. It definitely feels like it's going to be eight Is issues. Is it going to be eight? I think oh, it's eight. It's so um, good. It answers the question that we had last, uh, one of the questions we had last issue. What if whether we had a pair of monkeys as a fighting team? It, whether or not um, both parties of the marriage knew that they were both wrestlers. Oh, that It clears question. up that question. It does. And what was the answer? Uh, so they're, they both knew and they were going to tell their kid later. Because uh, they didn't want to confuse uh, Rose. Was that her name? I don't know. It's open behind you. That's true. They didn't want to confuse the daughter at the young age because he is supposed to be the bad guy. That's like the character he plays. And and especially it would get worse if he told her after he accidentally killed his mom. I think think you say Lona? It's L-O-N-A. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Yeah, Lona Steele. Because he's a heel wrestler. That was a term I actually knew what the fuck it meant. I didn't know that that was the term for it, but I understood it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He bad guy. I really appreciated the splash page of the eight different teams and yes. the bracket. That mm, that was great. That helped clarify what happened in the rest of the book. We got because like a... you could flick back to that and refer to it as a guide. Yes. I was just glad we finally got a bit more action. The first mm-hmm. issue opens up with a snap, and then there's not much an issue to, so I was glad that we finally got mostly an action-oriented mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. We got Batman Pizza Man. All the, the other characters are freaking funny as hell. Like, they're they're just, they're, they're cool and dumb. I, Residents, your mom. I was looking at the eight different teams, and I was like, I kind of want to see... All of these guys. There was, like, one crew that I was like, nah, they can go on in the first round. But, like, after that, there's... The, he did really well at making unique characters and teams. Elsa made it really clear that the stakes were raised, not just because the uh, facilitator, Lay, Lay Satan, insert, uh, doesn't understand that wrestling is fake. None of the other wrestlers come from a place where wrestling is fake. Mm-hmm. So these two are fucking screwed. Yup. Uh, and then the, they proceed to kick ass anyway. The 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 soft emotional beat that actually made Colin cry was that the the orangutan team uh, were trying to get their sister back. Mm-hmm. Yes, monkey. Yes, it did make me cry actually. This you're lying. No, this this series makes what? me emotional. This series makes me emotional. It's Daniel Warren Johnson. For some reason, he knows how to kick me right in the uh, field balls every single time. Every single time. As opposed to your ball balls. Yes, they're yeah. different. He has uh, no feeling in the ball balls. I have That's no feeling true. in the left ball. That's good for you, man. Yep. I know which one to hit. Yep. <laughs> um, there was a funny... I, I like his inclusion of letters in the back of all of his mm. issues. There was... I think it was the first one that someone sent in was like, when you announced that this was you're going to be your next book, I audibly said, ah, fuck. I don't like that. I don't like wrestling. This is going to be lame. And that letter was so me. I read the whole thing. I was like, this was my exact reaction. And then I started reading it, and I went, oh, I like it. Fuck. I love this. What, what is wrong with me? I thought that was very funny. Who do you think will be the last crew that they fight? Fyro. The what? Fyro. Fyro. Which one's that? The people they had a fight, they're about to have a fight in the bar with. 
Oh. Yep. I think it's going to be them. It's already, like, hammed oh. up to be like that. Wasn't it F-Y-S-U? Or FISO, or yeah, something like FISO. that. Yeah, I think so. I had figured it out this morning, and I don't remember. I thought it was fuck yourself and then something, but my brain's not remembering. Devil Doers, Lucha Butts, Pizza Party, Orang-A-Bang. That's so funny. I love that the Devil Doers, uh, where they hail from is your mom's basement. <laughs> <laughs> that one was quite funny. He's very good at doing like little visual jokes mm-hmm. with his characters, whether it be with sound effects or just like silly little character details. It's very funny. I am still I'm still convinced that Necroton looks like Daniel Warren Johnson, but like shaved face and shaved head with spikes out of his head. Show me, because I don't know which character you're talking about. The bad guy. Interesting. It's just, it's just the cheekbones. It's the cheekbones and it's the mm-hmm. chin. Uh, I had a point. Before point. we go on. Oh, this seems... This seems, this series seems to have more color and more color detail than some of Daniel's other books. Like Murder Burb seemed to be pretty straightforward with colors, and this one's very much more dynamic. I think it's more detailed shading. Yeah. I think the color palettes are all pretty similar between his books because he almost always works with Mike Spicer who right. uses a lot of the same colors, but I think it's there's a lot more grading. there's a lot more gradient or it's gray, his, gradients it's his, in his colors. It's his grayscale palette that he uses. Explain what a grayscale palette okay, is. Okay, so what it is is because when I'm he's thinking doing... of like a wood palette that's painted gray. So and and it's on like one of those scales that bounces back and forth. Yep. So what can help with coloring and makes it easier is where if you just do black and white, uh, you, you know how you do your inking, right? Mm-hmm. So with the inking, you add on your gray scale palette, which is you're just using the color gray, but with different gradients or different like hues. Different or not shades hues. of gray. Yes, there we go. Why didn't I use that word? Different shades of gray. Because it's porn. Yes, uh, 50 Shades of Grey. Uh, different Shades of Grey, and then you have the different, like... Uh, so you know the dots that you see on drawings? Mm-hmm. Like the separate... Those are like stickers, basically. And you cut them, and you put them on um, the drawing itself. And so he does that, and he does the grey shading. And so with that, once you have that done, you go in with colors, and you basically put, like, one color on... Uh, on a character. So say a char- you have the character drawn, right? And then you have the great uh, shading. You put one character on that skin and it's different colors because of the gray. Hmm. So it's, it adds, it puts that shading into it. So without you having to look for a different shade of color. Is this, obviously the credits will tell me, but I don't have it in front of me. Is Daniel getting better at the his artwork and and with grayscale and inking and whatever, or probably. is it Mike? It's probably... Or a team-up of both. It's probably both. Mike is, like, an older dude. So, um... He's probably at a point where it's not... I mean, you're always still learning and getting better, but, like, there is definitely a point where artists are kind of like, I'm staying right here. Like, yeah, look at Mike Mignola. Yeah, like, Mike Mignola stays exactly where he is. He's 
done changing as far as I can tell. And Mike's older, also getting up there in age, so he's probably not changing. And so it's probably Daniel with the uh, shading. But this is only if I'm correct. I think that's what's happening, because that is what uh, art, a lot of artists are doing, Ooh. especially younger ones. When do you think you will plateau? Now. Come on. <laughs> Probably. Come on. I don't know. Um, my art's changed quite a bit, but we're talking about do a power bomb here. <laughs> Not about me. Well, let's turn it back on you then. What is your talking point? My talking point is from my one of my favorite, probably my only favorite, um, writer-artist duo. Tom King and Mitch Gerard's Batman One Day, One Bad Day, The Riddler Number One. Ooga booga. Banger A cover. It is a banger A There's cover. There's a lot of really good covers for this issue, to be fair. But I disagree, I, but sure. most of them are pretty good. Um, so this it from the costume design and the Batmobile design, this almost looks like it takes place in BTAS era. It takes place in BTAS because it has the BTAS mobile. Um, not the first mobile, but the second mobile. And it has like the second Riddler makeup where it's the bowler hat, the, uh, the suit, and the like green around the eyes. And so this whole issue is just about Riddler and it kind of gives a backstory of why he is the way he is. He grew up um, being a part of this like private school where his father was like the dean of it. And wanted him to be like perfect A's, and whenever he didn't get straight like A pluses, he would get a beating. Um, and it almost seems like his dad like relished in it, and it was kind of like his uh, what got him up. Uh, but that's probably just how I read into it. But he wouldn't. He got like straight A's all the time in his backstory, except for this one teacher that put riddles into the last part. And he felt like it was, unf um, the Riddler felt like it was unfair that uh, it wasn't stuff that was already in the book. It was just a random riddle. And eventually he kills him when, uh, after he cheated on one of the tests, but he didn't get it right because the teacher changed the riddle uh, last second. And Riddler didn't even read the riddle. He just put in the answer for the riddle that was prior to the changing. And once he found out, he's like, I'm sorry, I have to tell your dad. And so he kills him um, with, like, a rock in the middle of the basketball courtyard. Yes. But this whole story, what it is, is um, Riddler's done with the games. He's done with all the Riddler uh, riddles, and he it opens up with him killing a random dude. Just killing a random guy nice. for no reason other than to prove a point to Batman that he's done with the games. And if anyone tries to come near him, or uh, uh, show up at his front uh, at his front door, or even like parked out, or even just stands there for too long, he's either going to kill them or kill someone that's close to them. So no cops will touch him. All the cops are uh, too scared to even like sit outside his house. And Batman realizes. Um, that, that's so that, shocking. That's, that's never happened before. That the Riddler um, is 
done playing games. He can't go by his, uh, uh, he can't stop him with his moral code. And Riddler realized, and Riddler knows that um, because of Batman's moral code, Batman's not going to do anything. Or is he? <laughs> and on the last page, we get three, we get panels of Batman showing up in the apartment and the lights go out. Ooh. So okay. it's one bad day. But most of the story is about Riddler's backstory. And it's really nice. And Batman meets his dad, and his dad's like, he's an idiot. He's a genius in every single way, but he's an idiot. Wow, he's literally you. And so he... Yes. And so we also learned that, like, Riddler killed his mom because he was asking him a question about something, and I can't remember what he asked her, but he didn't want the answer because he was sick of always knowing. And, like, he's a genius. And he o- and he only played these games with Batman. He only ever did riddles because he was giving himself a handicap. Whoa, of course. Riddler's always like that. He, he uh, thinks he, he thinks this is, like, him giving himself a handicap because he's so good and he's so smart and he's so powerful. But he just, in his brain, he has to have riddles. He has to have these riddles because it's... Most of the time, answers only he knows, and he likes knowing something that no one else knows. How do you feel about the uh, something that made the rounds on social media? Of course, mm-hmm. it did. Uh, the fact that Riddler contributed to Babs getting doxxed, basically, uh, for the killing joke. Uh, uh, Riddler giving Joker their address. How do you how do you feel about that? Because uh, that's of course yeah, the that, is fir- a that big was the thing. thing that's like oh my he's God. like joke Joker's not really one who makes plans he just does things I think he's lying that's an idea I think he's lying because uh, he lies about a lot of stuff I could see either one working to be fair well Joker does have plans sometimes jo- no Joker is smart I I don't like it when people say that like I don't like it when they say he's a genius but I don't like it when they say he's dumb because the Joker's not dumb the no. Joker is calculated risk. That's what he is. He's a calculated risk, and he doesn't just do things. There's a purpose to what he does. And I think he's lying about giving the address and all the stupid shift and shit. He's lying. Interesting. Also, he looks like shit in this book. Oh, it's so good. He looks very uh, old and screwy. So does so does Kamish. Kamish gets old, getting old. That's what this art style uh, does to people. I really enjoy what Mitch does. He's really good at doing like multiple different art styles. He can do very like grounded type stuff, and mm-hmm. he can also do very abstract work. That technique bugs me. Like depends on the type of envelope. Can make it work, but I just tape it. I usually tape I can't tape. I hate the tape because the edges curl up eventually. So get do two pieces, one on each corner. No, because then you can rip. You can tear the tape, and then the tape gets stuck, and then you have to work the tape off. That's happened to me so many times. Or alternatively, no bag and board, just stick them all in a box. Yeah! Just raw dogging life. I fucking hate you. Yeah, I, I, I don't do that. I'm joking. Spencer, what have you done? Uh, I... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Fuck you guys. Uh, I watched the third season of Umbrella Academy. It came out, came out this year, uh, so it's pretty recent, so I'm not going to spoil too much. I know Colin is not up that far yet. I don't care. Okay, well, I'm still not going to spoil it anyways. Um, so it picks up from the end of season two. All of the siblings are in this new timeline that they screwed up, uh, and because of that, they the, the, 
in this timeline, something killed all of their mothers before that they before they were born. So they create a paradox, and then the paradox is like a literal thing, like it's a big old ball of fire. They're like, it's gonna consume all the shit, you know. So instead of it being an apocalypse, it's ending like all timelines and reality and like everything. Uh, escalation, I know. Um, and they have to they fight with the Sparrow Academy, who's them in this timeline, but different people, except Ben. They, some people die, they end up joining forces, effectively. Uh, they spend a lot of this season in the Hotel Oblivion, sorry, the Hotel Obsidian, uh, which is, we will find out later, a... <laughs> You're talking with your hand. It's really funny. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, grab it as you're going by. <laughs> they spend most of the season in this very strange hotel, which it, we find out later is effectively a simulation run by the people who wrote the code of the universe, kind of. It's weird. It's um, the Matrix. Something like that. It's a lot... Uh, the plot in this season... Kind of loses me. I can follow what they're trying to do, but it does get extremely convoluted, especially towards the end. But holy shit, the character interactions still make me watch it. The characters are really fun. Uh, they're, I think they're at their best in this season compared to the other three, with one exception. Allison has totally fallen off the wagon. She is a, she's bad now. She's in bad bitch girl boss mode. She has a very understandable negative arc, but it just it is very frustrating to watch people not communicate, not be honest with each other, and then just keep screwing each other over. Um, mm -hmm. The me the messy ass plotting really does make it kind of hard to follow. Uh, to there be fair, is, though, the book was like that to too. This is true. It is not anywhere near close to what the book is, though. It oh. uses some of the same elements, but it's very scrambled around. Because I remember that book lost me, yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, there's also a lot more. Uh, there's a a little bit of COVID filmmaking on, on hand here and there. You can kind of tell sometimes with the, whether it be distancing or excessive amounts of green screen, blah, blah, whatever. Uh, there's also just some generally shoddy CG. Like the first two seasons had some here and there. It's a TV show, no big deal. This one has a lot more, um, which is weird because this show, this season had almost an entire other year in production on top of the other two. So that's a bit disappointing. It's not horrible or anything. It's just kind of annoying. Uh, they The way that they handled... Um, Elliot Page publicly coming out and transitioning and then transitioning the character. I actually thought it was really well handled. It kind of works in the show. Like, with the way that the character is written and acted in the previous two seasons, it tracks. Which I think is just, like, subtle influence from the actor in the previous seasons. I don't know how you can explain that, but, like, it legitimately makes sense, and the character's way more fun now. Um, there's a lot less general romance, except Diego and Lila who kind of not take center stage. They're a lot more heavily focused in this season, uh, and they're way more fun. On the, in last season, I kind of bitched about Lila being a little bit too annoying in the first half, and then parts of her presentation kind of bothering me visually. They cleaned it up. She has a nice glow-up. She looks almost the same. It's the same idea in her design, whether it be with the, the dyed hair slash wig, with the really heavy eyeliner. It just looks so much better. She's really hot now. Um... She brings along a kid and says it's Diego's. So Diego's going through a daddy crisis. It's very funny to watch. Uh, Klaus dies in this season. It's not really much of a spoiler to say that he comes back to life because that's his real superpower is that he's basically immortal. He spends time with this, you know, this timeline's Reggie, who is 
doped up and drugged up and not well, but like kind of wholesome dad momenting, kind of. It's weird. They get his powers working so he can like die and come back in like 10 seconds. It's really cool. Um, Luther gets married. I will not elaborate on that. That stuff was kind of fun. On the whole, it's really the messy plotting that really, really fucking bothers me. And it also ends on a cliffhanger. Like the previous two seasons did, but like way more. And we're now getting into very uncharted territory with the material from the books. There's only three collected editions. And we've covered the majority of that material entirely out of order. But we've covered most of that. So they're getting into their own original writing now. And I'm hoping it works out well. I don't know if season four is going to be the end or if they'll have enough material to make a fifth season. I'm looking forward to it. It ends on a very interesting cliffhanger. But I don't know. And somehow I skipped over almost all the major spoilers in this season. That was kind of not bad. I like it. I still really like this show. I like the universe and I like the characters. I just don't like some of the like plotting and editing choices. It just gets really messy in how it is. Also, the actor who plays five is now 18, which is really funny because he was he was playing a 12-year-old in the first season. He portrayed the part when he was 13 or 14. Then just with because it, the show came out in 2020, 2020, whatever. The show came out. Math is hard. Yes, math is hard 19. because production times are weird. Yeah, it was probably 19. Yeah, it was 19, 20, 22. So he, it came out in, 19, in 2019 which means that it was shot in at least 2018, probably 2017, when he was 13 or 14. And just the, the way that it escalates, now he doesn't wear boy shorts. He wears real pants now. It's great. He's become a man. Not really. He's still supposedly, like, you know, 13 years old. He's 15. He still looks very young. He's very, he's, he's short and lean. He's definitely taller than he was originally. They have him hunching over so much, you know, the angry man look that he's got. I love it. I love it. They, I love they need that. it so he doesn't just completely, like, mog Elliot Page by being, like, a foot taller. Um, it's, he's, he's, I still think he's the standout of this show. He wears a full suit now. He looks very dapper. Um, him and Lila go on a really fun subplot. It's just, it's still fun. It just, I really hope that they tighten up the plot in the next season or it might lose me. The first episode of season three lost me when they are fighting the the other timeline crew of And they have a dance battle? And they have a dance battle. It's all a hallucination. Like, this is so dumb. I love... It's... It's not from the comic, but, like, it's in... It was written by Gerard Way. It's so in line with his writing sensibilities. Right, and... It's so I, stupid I and... I to say that... It's 14-year-old edgy material in the best way. This show does <laughs> dumb humor, but... That one just turned me off wicked. I was dying. Wicked. I was, <laughs> I was dying laughing for that entire, like, five turned minutes. turned me off wicked. Rachel, Back you also, <laughs> Rachel also went, what the fuck is going yes. on? And I was just wheezing. Jacob. Hello. What have you been doing? Speaking of wicked. 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 <laughs> wicked good, Bob. <laughs> Talking about fro? Frog? Yes. Frog. It was uh, frog. It is Wednesday, my dudes. <gasps> BPRD, Plague of Frogs, number four. The conclusion to the Plague of Frogs storyline. Froggy. Froge. Frog dogs. Um, Abe Sapien is still uh, a big, mean old jerk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not really a cucky boy, though. He's just being no, mean. No, no, no. He's never a cucky boy. No, he, he's just an angry little guy. Um... Uh, Liz Sherman becomes a, a, a priestess, Ooh. almost a, a goddess, if 
if you of the fire. Yeah. Mommy. Of the ancient Vietnamese fire. Mother. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't actually think it's Vietnamese. I think it's Mother. Oh yeah, she is mommy actually. Oh yeah. Always has been. <laughs> I was surprised because they finished volume three off with a huge cliffhanger about uh, Major Daimyo, Daimyo. Yeah. And uh, they never went back to that in this <gasps> volume. No, no. So, which is fine by me. I didn't like his character. Anyway, but. You guys already thought about this last time. We don't need to do this. Uh, atomic Bomb kills most of the Froge. Except that they come back as like crab froge. Oh, crab froge! Uh, I really need to read this shit. The, it's so good. There's like nine of these. I don't know if I should spoil it. Should I spoil it? Yes. All right. The black flame comes back. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's so cool. Uh, Guess what? I want to spoil something for you about the black flame. You ready? Oh boy. Are you ready? I'm ready. He leaves and he comes back again. Oh yeah. He's just. He looks cool. He is he has so cool looking. No powers. He doesn't do anything cool. Just looks cool. Yeah. Looking cool is half the battle. It, it is. It literally is. Um Yeah. The Liz Sherman basically nukes most of the frogs, but it's not over yet and it's gonna lead into hell on earth. Frog legs. Fro yeah. You got frog legs. It leads into Hell on Earth one. Nice. Mm -hmm. So when there's five of those. Yeah. And not then a the bush. Last book. Yeah, that a books. And then... I need to get my bookcases up and running. I have so many books I have to unpack. They're so expensive. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that Plague of Frogs 4 would, like, conclude, like, be a, a mostly hard stop. <laughs> no way, dude. It's That's just funny. the beginning. Yeah. That's it, it's literally, no, like, I the prelude. Wanted, I wanted it to be its own arc, basically. <laughs> it's a prelude. But it, it's not even close. Loser. I'm fun? just getting into thick of it with um, Hell on Earth. Three, yeah, it's crazy. Wow, it gets crazy wild. How much you main buy? characters die? Probably cover price, which is twenty five bucks. That's not bad. No, it's worth it's it. Not. I really love how cheap Dark Horse books are. Oh They're yeah, quiet. yes. Do, I think that is the end of the show. Do we have enough material to go for another round? No. No. Okay. I don't want to. I'm just asking. Okay. Fucking cucky boy. You know who is not a cucky boy? Well, thanks for listening, folks. Stop it. You know remember, who's not a cucky boy? Remember. Transition! Remember. Remember, kids. God loves you very much. God made you special. There we go, yeah. And he loves you very, very much. much. Yeah, God made you special. He loves you very much. Goodbye! Goodbye. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> See, now we have, to, we have to put the intro between that, because that's a very good ending, but we need to do the other bits. Um, a big thank you to our patron, Jeff Lorenz. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, get shouted out every episode, get sketches done by Colin, get lots of stickers. We're about to put in a new order for many new stickers, all of which Colin has designed in his crazy dark wizard brain <laughs> on a caffeine binge. And it just clicks in my brain. That do. It's just clicking. Um, a lot of clicking. As well as get exclusive access to certain clips and segments from our shows, early access to this podcast, as well as Dime Gaming Bros, when it's on time, <laughs> sometimes. Um, as well as exclusive access to Dime Comic Bros Happy Hour, which is the show that follows this show directly after, where we just hang out, have a drink, have a cup of coffee, 
e-lunch, whatever, and we talk about all sorts of weird shenanigans. Sometimes it's comic booky, sometimes it's not. You never know. I love it when you do that special thing with your tongue in a straw. It's like the pee-pee hole. Oh, Kalad. <laughs> Kalad! <laughs> That's my new name, Kalad. Also, a big thank you to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, the crew over at the Mega Store have all sorts of shenanigans. They can give you recommendations all day. There's also a board of recommendations on the uh, the new comic shelf. Up at the top, there's some employees and their recommendations. Right now, there's also a bunch of shelves filled with recommendations. I saw I, Kyle putting them up. I bought two of the recommendations. Damn, bro. You were yeah. just on top of this. Dude, I am on top of all the comics right now. They got new comics. They got new collected editions. They got old comics. They, they got, got a, new old comics. Yeah, they got a big old sale room filled with all sorts of old comics and stuff. They got bags and boards. They got D&D. They, they got, got manga. Dice. They got cards. They might have Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They definitely have magic cards. They probably have Pokemon cards. They definitely have they Pokemon definitely cards. Have they got Pokemon weeb cards. shit, too, if you're into that. Manga. Uh, go support them. Tabletop RPG. Books. They also host they got, a whole bunch of different community events. They got a community board in the back. They, got a, they got a thing next door. Where you can go over, they have a big old room used for lots of different While stuff. While you like, fucking nerds can play your nerd card your, games. Your card games, you know, your Pokemans and, and your D &D. Magics. And D &D. Just, your nerd game, oh. nerd boy. Fuck off. They have all sorts of different game nights, so go definitely check out their social media and their website if you want any more info on that. Let them know that we sent you. It would go a long way. Tune in next week for our thoughts on... Uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer from 2007. As well as She-Hulk Episode 2 and a whole bunch of other rambling nonsense. Uh, yeah, cool. You can edit those around. You know what you're doing. You're a professional. Oh, She-Hulk! Welcome back to Dive House. Well, fuck you! <laughs> no. It was different because yeah. I was tired. But... Your voice was like peaking. <laughs> <laughs> but I used the equalizer to bring it down. So Colin's laughs look very funny. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, I knew wow. Colin was trying to find your place, and you've already told me that the oh, GPS. Oh, that's the other reason why I was up. It really. sucks. So I sat on your front step, and when I saw him coming, I went, ah! <laughs> I mean, and there's, like, people across the street painting, and there's the crackhead next door. Yeah, <laughs> I've got some neighbors. He didn't even hear me. It was a wasted joke. Music too loud, windows up. Wow. Wasted joke. I sniffle. You sniffle. are the sniffle. Oh, you sniffle. I got the sniffles from Colin. What does that mean? It means he has you have sniffles. I think Sniffles. <laughs> I fucking hate you. you it's because of Sniffles. <laughs> fucking hate you. I love it. <coughs> oh, that was all over me. No, it wasn't. I, I'm probably going to go to Walmart and grab a rug. I need a, I need a bathroom rug because the floor just feels weird to me. That it feels incomplete, so I need to get like a... So he's going to be standing in the middle of Walmart like with his socks and shoes on. I'm literally going to do that. Feeling That's rugs. Disgusting. like. No, this doesn't feel like my bathroom. You're rolls disgusting. it up, put it away, take the little one down, rolls it. Oh, that feels like my bathroom right there, like curling the toes. And I